Perpetual Profit teaches coaching companies how to create reoccurring profit so their owners can live with flexibility and freedom. We obsess about business so you can focus on your passion. Hosted by veteran business coach and fitness entrepreneur, Chris Thorndike. Cool. All right. Uh, what's up, guys? Chris with Factory Forged, uh, joined today by Andrew Frezza uh, from uh, Fit Town, newly branded, as well as uh, CrossFit Palm Beach. You may even have seen him uh, through his podcast, Seven Figure Box, really popular among affiliates and gym owners. And then also, uh, I wanted to mention, you are uh, the creator of the Rockstar uh, Coaching Course as well. Uh, so thanks for joining me and uh, being a part of our, our uh, uh, recording and, and uh, our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Chris. Always good to see you. So uh, I've got a uh, topic in mind. So really, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling right now uh, with being what I call a great boss. And uh, a lot of people, and I ask you this question offline, I'm like, do you think people uh, like managing employees? And immediately you're like, ah, I don't think they do. So I think there's a lot of reasons why that is. So today, guys, we're going to dive into um, what it means to be a great boss. What are the tools and the resources that Andrew's learned over the years in order to get to where uh, he's at? And Andrew, I think you've got one of the uh, you know, most impressive boxes and gyms I've seen uh, for this functional fitness space. And uh, I would say that I don't even think you qualify as a micro box anymore. You're like a mega box um, or a micro gym versus <laughs> mega gym. Uh, so you've been able to do some things that very few gym owners have. So over the last eight years, you've been building your business. Um, you've accumulated over 500 members at one point um, and eight employees. So uh, that is a lot of work uh, to get to that point. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, was that the vision all along? Did it kind of morph in that? Um, where were you when you first got started and, you know, what were you thinking you were going to build at that time? Yeah, I think like most people, I, I got into CrossFit, really enjoyed it, um, have a sports background, played baseball uh, most of my life as well as some other sports and just fell in love with CrossFit and really had the goal of starting small. So I, I found CrossFit down in Fort Lauderdale, wanted to just kind of bootstrap something together, get a small loan from my dad and and uh, put together like a small thousand square foot thing and just kind of grow, build it from there. And the, in that period of time, back in 2010, 11, um, I was talking to my dad and my brother about it, and they started to get excited about the idea too. And basically, my dad has a real estate background, and he said, well, if I find something up here that I think is a good real estate investment, you know, will you be our, the tenant? And, and you and Tony, my brother, can, can build the gym together up here, and you can move back home. So... Um, he did that. He found two buildings up here in Jupiter. And um, within a year, we, we had CrossFit Palm Beach launched. Um, and we had just planned this. So the, the smaller of the two buildings was 4,000 square feet, planned to just do CrossFit in that building. And, and just that was the plan. It was, there was no like really grand vision for that. We just fell in love with CrossFit like most people. And then within about a year and change, we were doing really well, really well by a 4,000 square foot box standards in a year's time, not really well knowing what I know now. And he did not have a tenant for that bigger building. And that's when we started to think bigger. And that's where we said, you know what? We love this. We're in this for the long haul. Let's just go for it. Let's make like the Mecca of all gyms. And, and we grew into both spaces and it was a huge mistake at the time because we did, had no systems or team to be able to fulfill both of those spaces. So this bigger building is, is uh, more like closer to 8,000 square feet when you count this upstairs area that we have. So it's almost twice the size of the smaller one. So we almost tripled our size within the, the first year and a half. And, and that became really hard. The next two years is a lot of growing pains for us. Um, a couple more years, we finally felt like we were growing into the space. And now our mindset is like, how do we maximize every square inch of what we're doing before we try to expand? Um, so, I mean, we hit, we hit 500 members 
about a, I would say about a year and a half ago. Um, we've just kind of sustained around those numbers. And I've actually recorded on my podcast how I feel like that number actually, at first it was great because it gave us something to chase. I had this 500 number in my head and it was like, it gives a lot of motivation to chase that number. But over time it became a crutch for us and it, be, it started to hurt us because I wasn't willing to um, lose members in the short term to come off that number to make bigger long-term decisions. And through coronavirus and that shutdown, it was like that shakeup that I needed to be like, well, you're not gonna hold on to 500 regardless of what you try to do. So you better now just try to uh, step back and figure out what type of business you wanna create long-term and then within a, a month of being shut down, I was like, you know what? I don't know if I even want to get back to 500 anymore. And if we do, it's going to take a team of potentially double what we have because of how individualized and personalized we want that experience to be moving forward. And, uh, you know, you brought up a great point and, and I, I've share your similar, you know, thought process where I, I actually think the coronavirus did an awesome uh, thing for the market as far as shaking up uh, your your normals, the things that you maybe got comfortable with doing that just won't work or, or they're not worth continuing because that was the thing that, you know, said, hey, we need to reevaluate how we're operating. So I, I do think there's some positive in there uh, mm -hmm. that came from it. Uh, you mentioned uh, something that I want to go back on. Uh, you know, a lot of growing pains. Uh, could you maybe pull out uh, one or two that, you know, maybe uh, stick out? Because there's a lot of people that I think uh, go through growth, but they don't either think back for a lot of the gyms that are experiencing that or they're in the middle of a growing pain and it feels like a point where they maybe don't want to go any further, but part of a growing pain is that you grow through that. And looking back on it, you know, would you uh, maybe see something in your own growth that someone else could really resonate with and, and possibly, you know, learn from anything, stick out uh, through that growth phase of say, you know, you, you said for like two years or something, you felt like you grew way too quickly into the space and you had to kind of grow yeah. into it. Yeah. I think that, you really have to look at like, if you're, if you're looking to grow and make changes, ask yourself um, what's left to optimize what's already existing. And so like, this could be as simple as like, I want to hire a cleaning person. Well, how much have I optimized cleaning prior to getting that person on board? Or am I just going to try to hand it off to a professional company or another person? And then they're, and then it's off my plate and it's their problem now trying to solve you know in our case it was it was tripling our size and it was like well we haven't even defined what a good class looks like like we haven't even defined um how we would hire the next coach um we had a very sort of makeshift process for that and you know at the time it was in this sort of golden era of, of crossfit you could get away with a lot i mean 2013 2014 was really this like golden era of crossfit where you had so many people coming into our gyms and um, the, the client was very forgiving of coaches that were not really professional coaches in that sense. So um, for us, the biggest mistake is, is going back to like having what I would consider a professional coach and a professional class experience that was consistent every time without me or Tony being in there ourselves. Um, because it's, it's very different when you're either running every class, an athlete in that class, or still in the building. Once you have to go to those next steps and you can no longer be present, you have to have a lot more in place to do that. So I know some people can get stuck because they think things need to be perfect in order to, to grow. And I think you really wanna be in that sweet spot where you have stuff like 80 to 90% optimized of, of what's already there before you take those next steps. Yeah, that's, that's good advice because uh, you know, when, when you think about growth, it's like this perfect balance of being ready to take a leap of faith, meaning what you're saying is like have processes or at least have an idea of how you want things done. And then there's like the level of you're just going to go for it and hire someone uh, to fill that because growth is happening so quick. But I think the maturity of an owner you start to realize like sometimes you're just hanging on with that growth and it's just happening to you. And yeah. then 
as you get to a point, you start to slow down. And I think that's kind of the analogy you mentioned on the coronavirus that allowed you to really rethink what matters most to you. Because similar to your 500 goal that you mentioned of like, I just had this number in my head. I, uh, you know, wanted to hit it. I, I wanted to, you know, uh, kind of relentless in your charge of saying, we're putting the number on the board and we're going to reach that number is similar to how I felt. There was a craze of wanting to, to grow multiple gyms, right? right? Like uh, I want not just one, but I want two or three. I want to, you know, and I talked to a lot of affiliate owners like who didn't even have a successful first gym that wanted and were already thinking about multiple locations. And um, I happened to be someone with that ambition at one point in time. And as I, became, you know, uh, more experienced and really reflected on the things that, you know, you're saying and, and what I've learned in terms of lifestyle, in terms of repeatable income, uh, profit, you really start to evaluate the amount of work it takes to manage people, to yeah. actually build a team uh, and one that's able to keep, say, 500 people happy, right? Yeah. So there's a lot in that that uh, needs to be flushed out. So that's why I'm really excited about diving in a little bit deeper to this topic. Of yeah, one thing I thought about with that, Chris, is, yeah. um, is like trying to think about it is like when you're, when you're trying to grow a team or grow, grow your gym or, or sort of elevate yourself within the business, what assets are you accumulating along the way that, that can kind of sit under you, right? So going back to a simple example, like a cleaning crew, this happened to us where we would be like, all right, well, we want to spend less time on cleaning. Let's go find this local, let's, let's find a professional local cleaning crew that can solve this and do it at night. And we would hire that person, they would do their evaluation. And what would happen is after a few months, they would stop doing as good of a job and we'd have to go to the next cleaning crew. And every time we went to the next cleaning crew, it felt like we were back to, to square one. It felt like we had accumulated nothing. Versus if, if through hiring or through delegating something, you can actually create checklists, you can create some processes. Now you have an asset you can take to the next one and you don't feel like you're always um, starting from scratch. And, and there's gonna be plenty of times where you take three steps forward and two steps back and then three steps forward and two steps back. But the big thing is you're not taking three steps forward and three steps back every time and starting back. So, you know, with employees, like we saw this often where um, when we started to hire intentionally, we've always had a pretty big staff. But when we hired intentionally, it, we would actually always be like losing. We'd, we'd add a really good person and we lose a really a, a not so good person. And it felt like we were not progressing the way we wanted but we actually were taking that one step forward every time we were always adding that one good person. And now we feel like of our eight full-time coaches, like we have eight great people. And if two people were to quit tomorrow, I mean, it would be a huge hit on us, but I'd be like, yeah, but we got a foundation of six to build upon. I don't feel like I'm back to zero. So I like for, for gym owners to think about what assets they're creating that have a long-term value and nothing's going to be forever, but that, that sort of protects you where you're never, one member away, one group of members away from, from a big hit. You're never one coach away from a big hit. You sort of have these assets built up. Yeah, that's a good point before we go further where it, it's kind of like um, a legacy where the employee leaves behind breadcrumbs of how they were doing things. And there's a big distinction, guys, between having an asset like a checklist and actually having accountability to it. And that's the big piece is as a manager, you don't want to keep creating tools. You don't want to have to keep reinventing the wheel every time. And to Andrew's point, you know, leveling up an employee with accountability that is, you know, doing those things that is executing is a lot different than just having a body and doing that, uh, you know, at 50% of what needs to get done. So today, you know, I hope to unlock a lot of uh, that part of what we want, we're just talking about is the accountability piece, but also the tools and the resources that actually create productivity, that actually create uh, really great coaches. So let's go back to the kind of the beginning, uh, if you would. You always, you mentioned you always had, you know, large team and, um, you know, people on board and on hand to help. When did you know you were ready to hire? 
Um, that's a good question. I think really when we started to see mistakes from other areas of the business. So my, my focus was always coaching and product on the floor. Tony handled a little bit more of the financial side, but he was also very front facing, client facing, um, because it was mainly just the two of us getting started. And we started to have these really major issues with Zen Planner, which are sort of embarrassing to share where it's like someone's been coming for three months and hasn't paid us. Or, um, you know, uh, we, we had one issue that I've shared on my podcast where every ACH payment that was run in the first year never hit our bank account. We had no idea until someone asked to be refunded and it was an ACH payment. And they were like, it's not, it's not going through. It's not showing. And we're like, it cleared on our end. I don't know why you're not seeing it. Check with your bank. And then finally we got on the phone with pay simple and they're like, yeah, you never filled out your paperwork for the ACH side. So we have like $5,000 just sitting here in limbo that um, we want to give to you, but uh, you have to finish your, your account setup. So when you start to see just like huge mistakes like that, you're like, okay, I can't be so client facing and so focused on programming and, and product on the floor that I'm missing all these key components. And then, you know, once you start to add any type of staff, whether that be clean or that first coach, you realize how much it's, it's so much extra time, especially initially to continue to do the jobs that you have on your plate in addition to training them and keeping them accountable to their jobs. And that's, that's really where it's tough. And it's, it feels like such an uphill push of, I have, I have to work harder after I hire someone, not work less after I hire something. And then eventually I'll be able to work less um, because I hired and trained this person, but training actually adds more to your plate. Um, so it's, it, it feels very counterintuitive at first because um, you think, oh, I'm, it's more out of my bank account. It's another person on my staff, but um, the work, you know, the work doesn't stop when you hire. It starts when you hire. Yeah. For, for me early on, I, you know, I was thinking back as you were sharing that there was another view too, where it's almost like you can't find the time to do some of that stuff or go fix those admin problems because you're stuck on the floor and there's no one else uh, say to do that. And you're kind of at this position of crossroads of saying, can I get someone to help with my bank account issues? And do I trust someone like that? Or mm. does it make more sense to, you know, train someone on, you know, the front of the house, you know, in the class and what is the better decision? So that's a good point to say, Hey, like, yeah, mistakes were happening. We had to tend to that. Um, but it also, that's a really good sign of just saying, I can't do it all. And you have to you look in the mirror and say, if I had to hire, where could I actually have, you know, that first person help with everything that's, that's going on? Cause there's a, yeah. little, a lot of moving parts and, you know, I think a lot of gym owners understand that feeling of overwhelm, but many sit with it too long and it prevents real growth. One of the biggest turning points for us was um, when we first started working with what was called Barbell Logic at the time, this was Barbell Shrug, Barbell, Shrug, Barbell Businesses technology side that was $1,000 a month at the time um, to, to, to be with them. And it was the technology side, which was website, uh, email marketing and, and sales. And then um, they also had business coaching baked into that cost as well. And when we first did that, that's when we saw the most rapid growth that we'd ever experienced in our gym. And that was three or four years into owning the gym. So it wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, well, now you're six months in and you hit this rapid growth. That's expected. It was like a, a pretty weird time for us. And that allowed, that really freed us. I think until you have a moment like that where you do really delegate something and it really clicks, um, you need that moment every, I, I could say that over and over again, but until a gym owner experiences a moment like that, and I'm sure many of the owners that work with you, Chris, at some point in their first six months, they have that moment where it's like, wow, I actually trusted someone else with this, this thing. And not that you're doing everything for them, but you're, you're doing it with them. And it, it was better because of it. That's a really big deal. And um, one thing I've noticed with myself as a leader and manager is that I didn't, become what I thought was a, a halfway decent leader or manager until I had halfway decent employees under me. And when I first hired, because we didn't hire intentionally, 
we had a lot of employees that I would say were not great employees. They were great people, but they weren't great, uh, fully committed career type of coaches and staff. And it, it reflected poorly on me. And I always took that to heart of like, well, shit, maybe I'm a really bad leader. And obviously I had a lot to work on and I still do, but having a great employee can actually teach you to be a great leader and it can show you what you do well and where you still need to work. Whereas if you have bad people underneath you or you're working with bad partners that are trying to help you run marketing and sales, it can reflect poorly on you and it can give you a lot of doubts when it's not always on you. It's not, it's on you to fix it and go to the next person. Um, but once that person clicks and you can trust in, in sort of an outside thing, outside person or outside process or, or system, um, man, it's huge. Let's open that up a little bit. Cause I, I think there's, it needs to be talked about on like, what does a good employee really look like and what are some signs of a bad employer or maybe someone not working out? You know, like you said, there's, there's all good people, but maybe they're not doing, you know, uh, what's necessary for the business to grow and be, you know, healthy and strong. Um, can you think of a couple, um, you know, best people in your organization, like what makes them really great? Uh, Cause I think that's kind of what people hope for when they hire, but then when they actually get in it, they realize that, Oh, I got to build this person. I got to develop this relationship in order to, and, and then it gets to be work. Um, so yeah, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what you look for when you think of your, your best employees. The thing that jumps out to me most, and this might be more of a, a Monday morning quarterback, like be able to look back on it, but those great hires don't, they don't look for, I did this, you pay me this. Um, they're not trying to nickel and dime the business. And it's, it's like so far away from that where like they'll do so many things before they ask for compensation in return for that. They, they almost treat it like an owner in that sense where we do so many things and we've done so many things for years without an expectation of return. Um, and then what that allows us to do is like, I mean, well, we, we encourage that behavior because once someone proves that we end up over delivering when it is, when we are able to pay them or they've, they've proven their track record in a given area of the business. And we're saying, well, now we want to give you that role. Right. So maybe that person's helping with social media work and they're kind of doing it on their own dime, like making some graphics here, writing some stuff up. And they do that for a few weeks, sometimes maybe a few months, if it's not like an overload of work, just kind of one-off thing here and there. And then all of a sudden you can afford to pay for a social media role and you can pay that person really well. And then they continue to over deliver in that role. Um, and then the next thing comes along where they can kind of do it for free, so to speak, they start to add it to their plate and then you can overpay them for that. And that finding people like that is so helpful because you're not always having to know exactly what something's got going to look like before you launch it. You can test a lot of things as a gym owner. And then um, that person treats it like an owner as well. Like they have some skin in the game as well. Um, so that, that's the thing that jumps out first. And again, that might be more of a hindsight looking back. I don't know if you can actively look for that. Um, but the, there's a certain amount of humbleness and humility, I guess, with in the hiring process that you can look for that might lead into that type of person. Yeah. And, and I think similar to your say 500 number, like that was a goal. And I think it's important to have a really clear vision of what you would want out of someone and how they could really impact the business. If you had that person, right. And, and in my coaching, I've noticed that a lot of uh, gym owners will actually choose the first person that raises their hand to help, not actually the person that they need to be successful. And it's really hard because hiring is also the other part, like emotional and, and uh, you know, people oriented. And sometimes it's not so easy to be black and white, especially if you are starving because of, you know, you're seeing a lot of mistakes in the business or there's a lot going on rapid growth and you kind of just pull the pers person that raises their hand or is the closest in your inner circle. So that vision part that you're talking about, I think is really important um, to hold on to. And then, you know, we'll talk further about this in, the, in this call of saying like, well, how do you, how do you make sure that the step-by-step -step process or instructions for those guys out here that want to build that, you know, a employee um, because it, 
it, it's not everyone and there are some signs. So before we hop into that, tell me a, maybe a, a story or two or, or maybe some features of uh, employees that you kind of had that light bulb moment of, oh man, this isn't a good fit or this doesn't feel right. Um, can you think of any of those situations where you kind of had that turning point uh, of like, I've realized that we're no longer- How much, longer time, how much time you got? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we, yeah. we, we've, um, we've almost, we, we have turned our staff over 100% in the last two and a half years. Everybody that's on our coaching team is new within the two and a half year, last two and a half years. Six of our last seven hires are from out of state. Um, so, so we definitely have lost a lot of coaches. I mean, the biggest, the biggest pattern that we had was, was coaching was, was very far down certain people's lists in terms of priorities. Um, there were people that were great coaches that tr the training side always came ahead of their coaching. And it's something that I'm really aware of now, of, um, actually in our, one of our recent hiring processes, um, there was a, a, a guy who I loved a lot, but he was very excited about the competitive side of his Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want people to have hobbies and interests outside of this, but we just find that when there's, when that alignment is missing, they getting into a class with the gym, with the community, with the, the members is a, a uh, distraction for them, distraction from their real goals. It, it really takes away from them themselves. And then the other full-time employees that we have that are doing 20 classes a month that um, take classes before they coach often so they can give that coach feedback. And so they can be prepared when it's their turn to, to coach those classes. We, we think a lot about alignment with myself and our staff, and we want our staff to work really, really hard, but we want it to not feel like a lot of work because it's all things that they really enjoy doing. So with that, that training side conflicting with their ability to be a career coach, we just found a lot of instances where um, we, 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 ran, we kind of butted heads with people. I mean, one, one thing happened specifically where we had someone that was very high level where we wanted to um, dedicate cleaning hours in the mid afternoon and this is when that person wanted to do their training. So we were shutting down this bigger gym that has more of the equipment and saying, you can train next door, but the main gym is going to be clean to this time because we want it to look good for our afternoon classes. Now, any coach who is treating this as a professional coach and a career coach who's thinking about the member first would say, that's amazing. We are going to have a cleaner, better experience for our members for our afternoon classes. That's a huge positive. Now, when a coach doesn't react that way, and you did some, you spent money to help the members have a better experience and they're mad about that. That's a really big sign that like things are, are, are conflicting. Or when you, um, we would do courses, we've done, we've done our rockstar coaching course with our coaching staff. We've taken them through a course vocabulary. And when a coach looks at that as homework that they have to do, and they see that as a negative versus, oh my God, this is amazing that Andrew and Tony are paying for this course for us to do out of pocket it's nothing for me it's an it's going to make me a better person and a better employee and i get to go through it for free and i get to do it with some awesome people like when someone sees that and they, they think of it as a negative thing those become really big warning signs and and it helps to have core values defined one of our core values is growth mindset right so when we when we look at that and someone's like well this person's not excited to do something that fits 100 percent under the growth mindset they're violating a, violating a core value. How do we fix this or move on without this person? Yeah, I, I, those are such great examples. And the thing that comes to mind that I can add to this is like, you've, you started establishing a standard of what, what you want personally for your business because you know it either makes it more productive, it's easier to run, it, it's more fun for everyone. It's like, this is the, the building of a team. And then when someone really starts to clash up against that, it's almost like they become an outlier where they stick out so much from what the core uh, you know, team wants to do to propel it or, or move it forward. But early on, it's hard to see that because that structure of core values or, you know, who are we as a team? What do we believe in? Isn't there. And that's, I think one of the really important parts of, of this guys is, is recognizing that 
he didn't start there. I didn't start there, but, but I have my own stories to, to share as well. So these are like the little battles you learn in becoming a really good leader and manager is because often in this line of work, you start off as an owner operator, like 100% doing all the work. And then through growth and necessity to want to keep pushing it and growing and you know, providing better service, you need help. So I think it's inevitable that everyone's going to face this. It's just through stories like yours and guidance and principles like we're talking about can help you recognize them sooner. So maybe you don't stay in there and struggle or uh, you can actually um, look for the right things when hiring or get someone out of the organization that could be toxic uh, sooner. Because uh, similar to your story, yeah, I've turned over a lot of people that just in the long run, we came to understand that they were doing more harm uh, than good, even though they were great people. They just didn't align with where we were going and they were kind of going in a different direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to build on that. You, I mean, it's funny because I never even thought about it in this specific way, but you mentioned having a vision, having a core values. Realistically, all of our good people came roughly six to 12 months after that. Like it, that vision and core values took a little time to kind of marinate. It's yeah. not an overnight change. Um, but we've, we've, it wasn't something we wrote down once it sat on my computer and then we never visited again. I mean, we visited it often. Um, it's part of our hiring post. So we can kind of move this conversation towards that a little bit, which is when, when you hire, put this stuff out there, put this stuff out into the world and say who you are. It's funny to me how many gym owners go, I can't find great coaches. And, you know, this person applied this way. They just sent their resume, re resume and didn't send anything else. And then you look at the hiring post and it's like, Jim in Jupiter, Florida, looking for a full-time coach applied this way. Like, if that's all you're going to say, if you're not going to sell yourself, why would a, why would a, a good coach is going to go right past that and move on to the, the next gym. They're going to look for something, someone who's doing something different or exceptional. So our hiring posts, um, have often been three to four pages long. It's a blog post that we post on our website. We posted to Barbell Jobs and it's three to four pages of our story, our core values, what we're looking for, what we're not looking for. And that brings in a much better person. And then we have multiple stages in our interview process. We have different questions that we're asking that people like, I've never been asked that question. Like people, people who come away through our interview process who we don't even hire a lot of them are thanking me because they know more about themselves and what they want now because of going through that process. So um, I got a little off track there, but that that's kind of like what it takes to then start finding these people that fit those vision and values. Yeah. You bring up a great point where it, I always talk about this from a, a member's side, but it applies for uh, employees too, where great employees have jobs, right? Like, they're they're not unemployed so you literally have to steal them away from their existing job and that means you have to offer them something bigger than what they're currently experiencing and that that's an opportunity and if they look at it as an opportunity it actually gets them excited and want to respond or want to be a part of it and that's a really good piece in there because if you're looking for anyone everyone and there's no standard there's no real clarity on what the role is you're going to get a lot of people that are just like, Oh, I need a job. Yeah. And there's a difference between a job and a difference between someone who wants to help you build something really awesome. And uh, that's the piece or that missing link. I think for a lot of people out there that say, I can't find someone. Um, yes. It takes time to find great people. Like you have to get it out there. You have to put it in front of eyes, you know, like people have to see that you're hiring. So there's that piece of it. But what he's talking about is, yeah, it, it, requires a certain uh depth of understanding like who do you want like what will they be doing what kind of skills what kind of experience are required to make it onto this team and early on that's hard to have if you don't have that experience but like you said as you learn to know what you don't want it's a lot easier to explain what you do want when you get out there and start looking yeah um i i think one thing to recognize right now is the potential opportunity of coaches coming available that were previously employed because of 
coronavirus and what's happening now. If there's, right. if there's one big opportunity that I think will happen for the gyms who do weather this storm and survive is you're going to have a lot of good coaches flooding the market that, uh, you know, it's, it's harder to steal someone from a good business. I mean, in, in theory, most of the people that we've hired recently have been what you're talking about, Chris, is stolen from another business in the sense of they're, they're coming to us and they already had a job. They're not unemployed. Um, but I think we're going to have a lot of people that are unemployed. And I think a lot of them are going to be former gym owners, honestly. And I think those are the best people. Like we have, I mentioned six of our seven are from out of state. I think four of those seven were former gym owners. And we found that those people are really good because a lot of them don't care to aspire to be a gym owner. They know how hard it is. And if they're saying things like, I know how hard it is to be a gym owner and I just want to be a coach again, I just want to go back to being that full-time coach. That's what I love to do. That's, that's where you find some of the best people. So, um, you know, obviously that's a two-part thing is you got to find a way to weather the storm with your gym right now. But if you can, and you can create vision and values, when you go to the market, I think there's going to be some good people that you can bring on your team. Absolutely. Um, and you know, you, you brought up a great point where it's, it's not always about stealing in like a malicious way, but like, there's a lot of people out there that don't have the responsibility, don't have the growth opportunity inside the business they're working in. And, and that's completely tied to, you know, that business's goals and that, you know, person's ambition. So uh, it also helps to know that people are always kind of looking um, they want to know what's, you know, on the other side of the fence. So if you never put that out there and at least have the conversation, uh, you won't know uh, if you've got that, that a employee that, you know, that rock star, if you would um, just kind of there and available. Um, let's talk about, you know, uh, you've put the message out there. You want to hire, you know, that you've uh, reached a point uh, in your business where you're, you're ready. Um, have you found certain questions, interviewing, uh, tactics that allow you to, uh, get this alignment that you're talking about, get this, uh, clarity that you are a good fit because it's important to recognize the time that it takes to build a relationship. And before you know it, you could go down all these steps and be weeks into the process and realize later you just wasted a bunch of time. Is there a way to identify this, this rock star sooner um, in the interviewing or in the application process? Like how do you um, yeah. separate the good in, from the bad? Yeah, this is something I feel like I know really well. So I'll, I'll break down our process. Um, we, we found really good candidates on barbell jobs. So we're, we're posting that, like I said, four page, um, you know, job, job application or, or job offer there on uh, barbell jobs. We're getting a lot of applicants through there. Um, part of that could be um, the success we had. Part of that could be our location, Jupiter, Florida. A lot of people want to move to Florida, but we get a lot of applicants. So one small thing that I do initially, because I know we're going to get a pretty good amount of applicants is at the bottom of the job post. I say, if you, if you want to apply to this, email me directly at andrew at fittown.com and tell me why you're a good fit for the job. And if someone does not write something that looks like it fulfills that, or they respond in barbell jobs and they don't email me, that's an easy no for me. So that like knocks out like more than 50% of people right there. Even when I get sometimes good responses, but it doesn't quite fit what I asked. Like maybe they just did it in barbell jobs. Like I get notifications about, Hey, this person applied on barbell jobs. I don't even look because I'm like, well, they didn't respond the way I asked. And yes, it was one sentence in this four page thing, but if they're really wanting this thing, they're going to pay attention to the details. So that's, that's the first thing. Then from there, if someone writes me an email, I care more about what they wrote more than the resume. Like if there's a res, sometimes people don't even send me a resume and just based on the email, if it's very um, just like personable and down to earth, then that's really what I'm looking for. If it feels like a copy and pasted something, that's another pretty quick red, red flag. If they're talking about what they've done, what they've accomplished, what cre uh, credentials they have, that's a pretty easy chance for me to move on. Unless that's supported by, my favorite things are this, hey, 
saw your post on Marvel Jobs, like, and like, I, I loved it so much. I resonated with the core values. This, you know, example core value really hit home with me. I love that. Um, I also took a, took a look at your website and social media and it looks like you guys have an amazing culture that I'd love to be a part of. Like, you don't have to say much. It can be very um, simple in that sense, but that person's done some homework there. They might've spent two hours doing that to write me four sentences. So that, per that becomes very clear. So I'm gonna hop on a call with that person and then I have a bunch of questions and the questions are important. There's some that are really important, but I'm mainly thinking about what is my feeling of talking to this person? Am I enjoying talking to this person? Does the conversation flow easily? And then when I get off the phone with the person in the next 12 to 24 hours, am I like thinking about that person? Am I like almost like you go on a first date with someone and you can't get them out of your head? Like that's the kind of feeling you want to have when you get off the phone with them. It was like, wow, that person was like kind of cool and I enjoy them and I could see them being someone I really enjoy working with for the next 20 years. Now, the actual questions themselves, some of my favorite ones, I mentioned the thing with alignment and taking classes. I ask people, what does your training look like today? Like, what do you do for your own training? I want to know what does it look like? And that, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be taking classes. One of our, our latest hires is a great hire. He's like, he's like, honestly, I have to train on my own every day at 10 a.m. when our classes are done. I haven't been able to take a class in three years, but like, I would love to just be a part of a gym where I could take classes every day. Like that was his thing. And even if he's just saying that because he listened to one of my podcasts about how much I love our coaches taking classes, like he did the homework to, to know that and pick up on that. So um, that's a big thing. Another one that I asked, and this is, this is important for you to understand what you're hiring for. We've mostly been hiring for coaches. We have a lot of classes. We have a hundred and 10 classes on our weekly schedule. We have a lot of classes. We need people that like to coach classes. So we look for coaches, um, or I, actually, I asked a question, which is if you had 20 hours of work every week, or 25 hours, sorry, 25 hours of work every week, five hours a day, five days a week, right? This is an example. We're not saying this is definitely what you're gonna have, but let's say all 25 of those hours were coaching hours, okay? Or, same amount of hours, same amount of pay, same amount of days per week, but you have like five to 10 coaching hours, you have five to 10 like social media or programming or something else, something else that you really enjoy, but it's not coaching, which would you enjoy doing more? And it's become very clear to me that you're getting more of a manager type, someone who doesn't really like classes, if you get, if they say that ladder, option. If they say that first option, which is most of the people that we have on staff or the typical answer all here with the people we have now is, man, that's really tough. But like, I just love coaching classes and I can't see myself only doing five to 10 classes a week. So I probably, even though I don't know if I want to do 25 forever, like I, I can't see myself not choosing that option. That is a really good question for us. Um, then once we get off the call, I send them a document that I actually provide in our rockstar coaching course which is called, why do you coach? And it talks about why do you coach? That's one of the questions. Where do you get your values from? What does your perfect day look like? And that's the document that people fill out and they go like, wow, this is, this is a different kind of place. Like this is definitely not just the average gym. And those are, that's also the document that people are like, even if you don't hire me, I'm glad I went through this because I feel like I know myself so much better. Um, and then from there it can lead into a second interview. And then if they're coming from out of state, we bring them in for a weekend to do like a recruiting visit. And I kind of replicate that based on our uh, college recruiting visits that I used to do for baseball with some of our incoming freshmen. So um, it's a, it's a multi-step process. And I think barriers to entry are a good thing when you're hiring. Um, so having those multiple steps is really good. Yeah. The, uh, the two things I, I picked up, you know, and just to kind of reiterate this for people is, you know, when you were diving into, you know, their personal training and their, their schedule, you just get in a sense of how they live their life. And is that congruency with, you know, your team and, and quite honestly, the job, right? Like you, you gotta be fit. You gotta live the life is, is how it, it, it needs to work when you're going to be a coach and a leader. Um, and then uh, the second thing guys, you know, he dove a lot into the scenario side, you know, of um, if, you were given this schedule and this uh, problem, you know, which would you choose? And I think that piece bringing it in to the interviewing process, 
will solve or at least give better expectations down the road that it's worth going to the next step in the interviewing. Um, because if, you know, I remember this in college, we were taking uh, applications and you would answer certain questions. You wouldn't move on to the next stage if it didn't align with that congruency of what you were applying for. And it's the same thing. It's like, you don't want to waste that person's time. And you also don't want to go down a road that if you could flush out something at, you know, the first initial application, you're going to want to do that because this is why, you know, they say hiring is really expensive, right? Like, and one of the pieces that we can dive into uh, after this point would be, uh, I focus a lot on personality um, because we are, uh, you know, when you step on that coaching floor, it's like a concert, right? Like you got to perform, you got to give. And for a lot of coaches that don't have those reps in it or, even newer coaches, they don't realize how much energy it requires. And that's to your point where a lot of these owners coming out and being great coaches, they, they probably feel that energy, but a lot of the admin steals that other energy away because just because it's too much, it's overwhelming. So one thing I like to add into your system is uh, shooting a video. So they actually submit a video yeah. during the application process so you can get that energy, that vibe, that feeling of how they communicate their passion to you. So I, I love that, that step. Yeah, in that usually talk. our, um, I like that step and we'll probably add that somewhere when we go to hire again, we usually do a Skype call for our second call. So we make sure that we're face to face or if they're local, we go in person for that second one. Um, two other, two other questions that I want to add because it's helped us avoid what I would, you know, I don't know because we didn't end up hiring these people, but my gut instinct tells me they would have been very, poor fits for our gym and they would have been the worst kind of fit, which is they would have been a really good coach on the floor, but they would have caused a lot of problems on the back end and that team congruency side. And that question is, or those two questions are what's something that your current or your previous gym did or does really well. And then the second half is what is something that they could improve? And the, the two sort of red flags that we avoided with people is, they didn't have a lot of goods to say. They could go on for hours about how much could be improved about their gym. And there was just a little bit too much of a jadedness to the things that they were saying. And, and their gym could be terrible, right? They could be coming from a really bad environment, but the fact that they are able to focus and dwell on that so much is a really bad sign for your gym because they're just looking at your gym as the grass is greener on the other side. And as, as good as we feel we do things and as much as we've improved in eight years, there's still so many things that we could improve on that we don't do well. So they're just gonna quickly come into your environment and find those things. Those are people that are looking for those things and they're gonna slowly kind of tear down your team with that uh, you know, sort of pessimistic or, or negative outlook. And um, I find that that's a really good way to ask it where it's not like, can you think of a scenario where X, Y, Z, Z happened? It's, they're, they're going to be able to think of something. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I think that goes to, to show like when you do have a team member, you want them to be able to speak up and, uh, you know, talk about opportunities for improvement, but also humbled enough to understand that uh, you got to recognize people. You got to show and appreciate things that are also done really well. And that's that balance, I think, of a, a really good character trait of an employee is, you know, when you're on a team, it's not all good and it's definitely not all bad. So if you can't recognize uh, the gray and, and live in that, it's going to be hard to get along, I think, as a person, uh, if you're trying to foster that type of team. I want to uh, jump to the next kind of phase in this, this process that we're talking through is uh, ongoing coaches development. So, you know, you've, say so you've found this person, you've moved them through, you've hired them and, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to fall into a trap of saying, I've got this person hired, take this massive, you know, exhale, and it, I can sit back and, and do nothing, or I can, you know, hand off those 15, 25 hours of class, and I'm gonna go take a nap, or I'm gonna go do this. Um, you, you're actually uh, reached a critical point in your business where this is something that you guys need to understand as an owner, it's a milestone you have now slid into the manager seat. You now are accountable for someone else's livelihood or paycheck or how they bring home money. 
And that is a massive responsibility when it comes to being a business owner, let alone all of the steps to care for that person. Because flip side, Andrew, it's like uh, for the, for the gym owners that we talked about, you know, you're stealing great employees that also can happen to you if you don't create an environment where this person wants to stay. So uh, let's talk about this concept. You said like uh, informal and formal when it comes to uh, coach development. Can you open that up? Yeah. So I kind of think about coach development as you have your initial onboarding phase and then you have what we consider ongoing or long-term coaches development. And then within the long-term coaches development, you have the formal side and the informal side. And formal side would be, you know, every, every month I take one of your classes and, and give you, you know, written feedback or every quarter we're going to sit down and we're going to go over core values and we're going to go over a quarterly review that will include some coaching stuff and, and reviewing some of your other roles and, and how you fit into our core values. That stuff's really important. I find that it's actually less important than the informal side of what's happening on a daily and weekly basis to make your, your coaches better. Because whenever we're trying to learn and develop at something, the, the feedback loop, the time of that feedback loop is extremely important. So if, if every 90 days you're getting feedback, then it's going to be hard for you to really implement that or know if you're implementing it really well. If daily or every couple of days you're getting feedback on a class um, from a, another coach or from your head coach or owner, then you're getting, you're going to get that quick turnover and you're going to be able to implement really quickly. And you're going to be, know, and you're going to know where you stand at any given time. There's also less emotional attachment. The more often critiques and, and improvements happen when you're doing stuff every 60 or 90 days, it can feel like this big emotional weight on both sides as the person delivering the feedback and the person receiving that feedback. So it takes a lot of that uh, emotion out of it as well. So I like to focus on the informal side. I think that's a place that we do it decently well. Um, one of the big ways we do it, we've done it in our last two meetings is every coach gets the floor for a couple minutes in every meeting to share what was a class, what was one, at least one class they took this week. What did they love about that class specifically? What did they think they could be improved about that class specifically? What was a member win, not necessarily from that class, but like maybe a member hit a PR, maybe a member just lost 20 pounds and they shared that with them. Maybe a member got off cholesterol medication. What was a member win that we can all celebrate together? Because sometimes certain coaches hear stuff and we don't know how good of a job we're doing. So that's a really good positive moment in the meetings. And then what's a humble brag? And this humble brag could be like, I've been working with this personal training client and they just got their first strict pull-up or their strict strict push-up. Or it could be something like, I like these ones a lot where it's like, I was in class and you know, um, this person was really struggling with this movement and I gave them this cue. I said it in kind of a new way and it clicked with them. And I finally got this person to move well and they've, you know, they've struggled with their skier technique for months now. And then I finally said something to them and it clicked with them. And, and that's great because now the other coaches have that tool in their toolbox to use with their athletes. So I like the humble brag to be something not, that's not just a brag, but something that the other coaches can acquire and add to their skill set. Um, then we also actually give our coaches a bonus every month if they get into 15 classes every single month. So as a byproduct of them being in classes, we encourage them after class to shoot a text message to that coach or just talk to that coach and say, hey, this could have been better. Um, we have Slack channels where people can provide feedback on lesson plans and things like that or iterate throughout the day. Hey, I changed this about the lesson plan because this was or was not working. We, we post a minute by minute lesson plan every single day. So that alone is, is that ongoing coach development of even though only two of my eight coaches are involved in programming, all of them have to think like a programmer by creating their lesson plans or by reviewing the lesson plan before every class that they coach. Um, so all those little things, those little nuances are ways that we're, we're having coaches think about um, the, the bigger art of coaching or giving feedback on the art of coaching every single day or week. As a longtime manager, what do you think the most rewarding part of your job is? And then also, what is the thing that is most challenging for you? Um, the most rewarding part is, is definitely the higher stakes nature of it. You know, you, you help a coach out and you 
um, it's their livelihood, number one, in the sense of like, they're able to provide for themselves, you know, potentially a spouse, potentially kids, buy a house, things like that. Then there's the impact they're having on the floor. And, you know, especially as you start to acquire a few of those people, you get four, five, six, seven people on staff, you go, wow, we're now changing hundreds of lives in a deep, deep way, instead of me just being able to impact you know, my 30 to 50, or, you know, even in good coaches, 100 to 150, there's a cap to that. So that stuff, the, the compounding of your impact is, is definitely the most rewarding. The challenge for me has always been finding that balance between being involved, managing, keeping people accountable, but not being so involved that you're micromanaging. And um, I mean, honestly, the biggest challenge for me is like, when you start to give up stuff, it's, it's more of the client side of like, Hey, we don't see you in the afternoons anymore. Right. We don't, we don't see you coaching these classes anymore. We don't see you as much anymore in, in these things. And, and sometimes people are saying that is almost like a compliment. They miss you. And other times they're saying it because it's like, they, they feel like you're not working as hard or, or not giving as much to them. Um, but that, that can be the, the, the trickiest side. It's less about the employees making me feel guilty about it and more about the members sometimes uh, making me feel guilty about it, even though it's not intentional. That's more on me than it is on them. Um, but that's something that I've had to work on a lot um, just on the personal development side is, is getting excited when those things are said, not, getting, um, not feeling bad when those things are said. So uh, we're going to wrap up here, and I've got one more question and I'd like, you know, just to, to share where they can get more information about your program and you, if they want to, you know, continue to follow you. Cause this is, you know, this is the information that very few people talk about that it needs to be, you know, pushed out there because I think there's a lot of gym owners that want to grow. I think there's a lot of people out there that uh, maybe aren't comfortable sliding into that manager or leadership seat, but given the opportunity to have real skills and tools developed, I think, I think Jim Lurch would take it. So uh, help us understand, like, what's the next step for you? You've accomplished so much in terms of, you know, building your base, building your, your membership, building your team. Uh, what does the next step look like for you in the future, uh, knowing what you know now? Um, for us, it's, it's still very focused on creating the, the single best single location gym in the entire world. That's still our goal we've opened the door to multiple locations in the back of our minds, but we've held on to our vision of we want to be the best single location gym in the entire world. And that's helped us not chase that uh, bigger is always better, but better, better is better um, in that sense. But for me, I go back to this word of alignment. It's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm creating a program. I'm creating a gym that I want to go to myself. Um, my parents go to the gym, my wife goes to the gym, Tony and his wife go to the gym. Our kids use the childcare program. Tony's son is now in our kids program. We create a lot of alignment in that way. And when I expanded to doing seven figure box and the rockstar coaching course, it was very much about like, well, what are the things that I'm already doing that I feel like are my, my, um, you know, superpowers in that sense, or what are the things that I was bad at at one point that I've had to work really hard to get good at. And that's where the rockstar coaching course came about is I, I started to see that as I focused more on personal development and less on the technical knowledge that I had, our, our gym, our class experience got better, our gym grew and, um, I was able to kind of grow and do that. So as I look at things like the seven figure box and the rockstar coaching course, it's very much about how does this align with the, the person that I already am and, and slowly pulls me to the, out of that comfort zone to the next stage rather than this big, crazy leap. And if you listen to the seven figure box podcast, I talk a lot about this stuff that like we're currently working on in the moment. Like I just shared, I'm sharing a podcast today about our rebranding process and it's not some crazy higher up aerial view of what rebranding could or should look like it is what we went through to rebrand our gym so a lot of it with the seven figure box podcast it's been over two years now over 100 episodes it's just it's it's a way for me to continue to hone my skills as a gym owner by sharing that with others and, and i know others are benefiting up with from it so that keeps me going um, but i think the best way to learn is to teach something so 
um, potentially that's, that's a good way for anybody to think about these next steps is like, what is something that I want to, to learn or expand upon and how can I begin to teach that to others? That's great. Well, first off, thanks for spending the last hour with me in talking uh, team development and, and hiring. Um, not the sexiest topic, but I think one of the most important and uh, you cannot avoid it if you're uh, going to grow your business. So uh, super valuable stuff there. Uh, how can they learn more about what you're going through, uh, what you're teaching at the moment? And uh, yeah, how do they get a hold of you? Um, so finding, finding the gym stuff would be um, fittown.com or fittownjupiter.com. Um, our social media pages, I believe, are under fittownjupiter. And my personal page is, is Andrew Frezza. I don't post a lot. But if you guys want to you know, this is gym owner stuff. I think a lot of people will really enjoy the Seven Figure Box podcast. So follow the Seven Figure Box on Instagram and then subscribe to the Seven Figure Box podcast. I don't really have much to sell right now. I don't do gym consulting. I, I uh, refer people to people like Chris. Um, you know, the Chris's out there, the Coopers and the Thorndikes, I think are are two of the better ones out there. So um, that's, I like to really just share, like I said, what I'm working on, what I'm going through in that moment. And um, that's the best place to find it is on Seven Figure Box. Cool. Well, thanks again. And uh, have a good day. Thanks, Chris. Hey, Chris Thorndike here. If you want to learn how to grow your company and don't want to do it alone, head on over to factoryforge.com forward slash talk. Watch our free training. You'll learn what separates the ultra successful coaching businesses from the rest. You'll learn how to generate more profit in your business on demand with predictability month after month. We'll even teach you how to increase your prices so that you can back it up and feel confident about moving forward. You'll learn how to simplify your services without giving up revenue or adding additional overhead. Remember, growing your business doesn't happen on its own. It takes someone who's been there to guide you through it. Head on over to factoryforge.com forward slash talk, watch our free training, and then schedule a call to talk more about how we can help you grow your company.